0: Time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. As uh, people first walk into the studio, the first thing they notice is that uh, you can see out the window. Jason was just astounded by that. That's not a view I've seen here since 2002. It has been a while. So uh, we get our midday program with the roundtable. That was the voice of Jason Jorgensen. We also have Bob Brogan in here and Susan Littlefield all coming your way to talk about what they're going to be talking about the next couple hours. Let's uh, start with Susan.
1: Well, thanks, Scott. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team on a Thursday. We'll kick everything off with the angler journey. We'll get an update from Alex. Then at 1245, the recent trends we've seen in this cattle market. We'll get more details of my conversation with Brad Coima. And then wrapping everything up at 117, Bryce talks about Omaha Steaks and a donation they're making to Hurricane Relief that's a midday from the farm team
0: yeah well quite a donation too that's uh, i saw the numbers on that that's really cool thank you very much susan let's turn it over to jason now
2: how are you sir well pretty good uh there's still some stuff to talk about okay there's a flicker of hope of a potential big 10 football season in october i had a chance today to talk to sean callahan about it and uh, he'll give us his thoughts uh, they need to flip some votes. Uh, they could have a re-vote on this. Oh. Kind of the the thought is, they won't have a re-vote unless they know something will change. Okay. So you're not going to have a vote, and then you know, they say no again.
0: I see what you're saying. Okay. So
2: that's that's where that stands. They need to have uh, nine schools from the presidents and the chancellors vote to go forward to trying to figure out a plan to. Start college football for the big Ten on october 10th
0: well because train camps would have to start
2: all yeah. right away now there, there are some signs out there, of course, Nebraska's practicing today and tomorrow, okay uh, Ohio State practiced yesterday, and uh, you wouldn't think the optics would be good that they would bring these guys in mm-hmm. and put helmets on them and you know shoulder pads and do some work if they didn't at least think there was a hope. Of something changing, but there's still stiff resistance in the league, and there's at least four or five schools that do not want to see football this fall. So really? that's what they're—that's what they're working against. Hmm. Oh, so we'll give me the latest. So we need Michigan to strap on the helmets and some of those guys and Rutgers, and yeah, okay. Uh, so that's where it kind of stands right now. Okay. Also, uh, tell you about a pretty good volleyball team in Overton. The Eagles were very solid a year ago. Played very well yes. down at the state tournament. There's a big triangular tonight in Loomis. Loomis is off to a nice start. Overton, of course, are undefeated, and then Pleasanton also will be playing in that triangular tonight. So mm. we'll talk about that. Also, and James Harden, believe it or not, made a defensive play at the end of the game last night for Houston as they beat Oklahoma City and they move on. First time uh, he's won in a
0: Scott Foster-officiated game <laughs> in like seven times or something crazy like that. So good. Good for him. If defense. James Harden. What is that? It was that a pretty a decent play? block. And I only yeah. saw
2: 30 seconds of it, but I saw the last 30. And hey, that's his defensive <laughs> highlight of his career
0: right there. Thank you very much, Jason. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan, Stocks.
3: Down big time today stocks lower in trading on Wall Street after setting records over the past several days tech stocks which have been the biggest driver of this year's rally are especially weak the number of laid-off Americans applying for unemployment benefits fell last week and a new study says more safety features should be considered on semis things like emergency braking and forward collision warnings you know I don't know if I want Automatic emergency braking if I'm not ready for it. But anyway, that's me.
0: All right, (laughs) that's all.
4: Coming up on Midday, here's Clay. Thanks, uh, and now we talk with Mike Zuzulo, Global Commodity Analytics, for a midday check of the trade. And Mike, we've got to lower pressure here once again on the grains, but solid export numbers here this morning. I think the interesting thing, though, that's come out here in the mid morning trade has been the fact that Russia only, or excuse me, Egypt only bought one cargo of Russian wheat due to price, and we've seen the ruble get creamed here the last couple of days and being a lot pressure, a lot of pressure to the downside. So, what does this show about currencies and our global export capabilities?
5: Well, it kind of shows us that we are starting to see, I think, where we're getting some demand destruction or some demand pullback. Egypt did did put out a tender that was for a more distant uh, delivery, Clay, and I think that's it was past one month, which that did catch the market's attention. So the fact they only bought one cargo, maybe that's the reason why, but I think the other part is just the simple fact that U.S. Gulf uh, wheat, both hard red and soft red, are around 245 to 250 dollars a ton at this point. They've really started to climb, and they're starting to pull away from the Black Sea prices. And so, I think this is one of the key three features I think that's trading in the grain pits today. And that is the fact that we're getting, <coughs> con- excuse me, continued Russian uh, purchases from Egypt instead of anybody else, and that Russian price continues to go up.
6: Looking
4: across here as well, though, we still have to contend with, granted, we've had some factors impact the crop, but we're still looking at healthy carryouts for the U.S., so we're going to have plenty of supply left to export, So and without a lot of commodity inflation starting in the market space, realistically, we need to kind of look at these charts, and when they give us over BART signals, more than likely it's going to happen that way
5: yeah and I think this is a very key element to the trade between now and next Friday's USDA report the next WASD report I think it almost feels like right now like you're kinda of talking about the marketing tone and the mindset of the market is essentially marking time until next week's report um, long certainly I don't think want to go into another long position or add to already long positions given these overbought conditions and the momentum factors starting to turn against them Having said that though, I think the other two big factors at play today is the export sales were very, very strong, except for beef and but in everything else, very, very noteworthily strong, um, and, and you have that contrasted with the improving weather. in other words, maybe not as much rain as we all like in terms of coverage, and but the amounts that uh, are going to get rain uh, seem to be very, very good, and they're starting to build a little bit especially as we get past day five. Also, one of the big features talked about yesterday was a very big cold front coming through Nebraska. The Plain State's looking at maybe a freeze or a frost. That seems to be off the table with most of the cold temperatures way far north or stuck in the Rocky Mountains. So traders are, I think, probably looking at that today as well.
4: And speaking of those live cattle, again, not the greatest export numbers in, we see cash developing very, very light in the north though, at a dollar two, which is even a dollar lower than what we saw yesterday it 's two to three back from last week. So with that kind of outside fundamental pressure as well, we'll probably have a little bit more downside here in the futures market too
5: well it's going to be tough for the cattle they they really need the hogs to hold in there because I think hogs are able to shake off the stock market drop along with this. Ah uh, cash cattle trade you're talking about today, uh, but the the weekly export sales are why the hogs are able to do that. The hogs saw fifty three thousand six hundred metric tons sold that was up thirty six percent from last week, probably up around forty percent for the four week average as well. but the cattle can't say that they not only have that weaker cash, they also have only export sales down nineteen percent from the four week average, and they're looking across the screen and seeing a two to three percent drop in the stock market so these are key elements but we got to hold these hog gains for the cattle maintain a sufficient technical look i think
4: mike zuzlo global commodity analytics remember train future adoption evolve risk of loss well it's time for us to take a look at our weather
0: and see how it's affecting us and around the world in agriculture and we're here with paul perkins and You know, it's uh, days like this that, uh, you know, you definitely don't have to work very hard.
6: (laughs) Exactly. Very quiet weather and lots of sunshine. Speaking of sunshine... What's this bright light into the yeah. AM master Listen, control at KRVN? I have been saying,
0: Paul, <laughs> that everybody is just agog when they come in here because it's just like, wow, natural light.
6: <laughs> yes, yeah, a nice uh, trimming of some bushes out to the west, our KRVN west weather window, and it's, it's looking mighty clear in here. It was a
0: rough day for hedges <laughs> here at the KRVN yes. campus uh, yesterday. They got trimmed down, but uh, yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. pretty nice. and. You know, it's going to be nice when we see storms coming in, but that's certainly not the case today.
6: No, not till about the middle of, or early part of next week. We could see uh, some beneficial rain and thunderstorms. Finally, a decent chance of some rain, it looks like, on the way as we head towards uh, Tuesday, Monday night into Tuesday night here. But for the time being, yeah, dry conditions, and uh, looks like the last official weekend of summer, going to feel like it, especially for Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, it
0: sounds like it. Boy, but when's the last time you've said a decent chance for rain it's been a month
6: yeah it's extremely and uh it's showing right now in our regional drought monitors numbers too we just got those in today and we'll go over that right now a nice day across the area most of us with temperatures in the upper 60s to the low 70s some mid and upper 70s as you head towards much of southeast nebraska on into eastern areas of kansas as the cold front pushes to the south today going to be continued sunny and cooler but Still with some seasonal temperatures, winds will remain breezy out of the north as strong high pressure quickly builds in behind the front. Those winds diminish tonight when that Area of high pressure moves overhead. Warming temperatures and dry weather taking hold for tomorrow into the weekend as the ridge of high pressure nudges east. It's been a very strong ridge of high pressure over the much of the western part of the country, especially towards the desert southwest. They're experiencing uh, some extreme heat over this weekend with that ridge of high pressure. Our highs in our region on Saturday and Sunday, very summer-like levels, expected to top out in that hot level of mid to upper 90s. Now Labor Day will be a transition day into To much cooler air with highs still in the mid-80s to around 90, not the 70s that we were promising earlier. Right now it looks like it's going to be a bit on the warmer side for Labor Day. Rain and thunderstorm chances increasing by Monday night into Tuesday night, and then they'll diminish during the day Wednesday. A slow-moving area, low-pressure tracking across the plains. Still some uncertainty right now for the exact location of some best rain chances with this system, but it does look like our best chance of rain in quite a long time. A strong clash of warmer and colder air masses expected and quite a bit of available moisture. Daytime highs cooling to the upper 50s to the 60s by Tuesday and Wednesday. And the first frost may occur in the western Sandhills on Tuesday night. In the long-term forecast, below normal temperatures likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and nearly all of the central and eastern U.S. For Tuesday through September 16th, that bulk of the cooler air for Nebraska and Kansas likely to be the middle of next week. Mostly near normal to slightly above normal rainfall, likely the middle of next week for Nebraska and Kansas. A drier outlook of below normal rainfall, though, is back by late next week through the 16th. In the latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska dropped 13 percentage points to only 19% drought-free. In other words, 81% of Nebraska experiencing some level of dryness right now. The exception, pretty much north-central Nebraska because much of west-central, central, central, and eastern Nebraska abnormally dry to a moderate drought. Severe drought is found in much of Kearney, Adams, and Hitchcock counties, the Nebraska panhandle, and an area from Omaha to the north and northwest. Extreme drought is now found in a small area from Omaha to Washington and Burke County. Of course, they're closer to those drought areas affected in Iowa. Kansas dropped four percentage points to 63% drought-free. Abnormal dryness to a moderate drought is found in southeast Kansas and the west for areas along and west of the line from Smith Center to Dighton and Ashland. Severe to extreme drought is right along the Colorado-Kansas border from Wallace County to the southwest corner. Weather factors driving the markets include stormy Midwest weather and light rain in the driest areas of the southern plains. The Midwest dry the late part of this week. Thunderstorms with moderate to locally heavy rain forecast this weekend. The rain will be... The rain benefit will be minimal in the Midwest due to extensive dryness in the last month. The Midwest weekend storms may bring some severe weather damage. In the Southern Plains, scattered rain this weekend will offer some moisture ahead of winter wheat planting. Very hot weather, though, before the rain will further dry out the soils and vegetation. Soil moisture for winter wheat planting low in western areas of the Southern Plains.
0: Man, I hey, I don't like to I don't like to hear that drought. I just just took a look real quick. It looks like Lake McConaughey is down to sixty two percent capacity, so it's wow. it's it's down quite a bit too. So my goodness.
6: My goodness. I know, yeah. A few weeks ago it was like at sixty seven, so yeah, it's been drained it down.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather?
6: Weather chap, com.
7: journey celebrating success embracing failure and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you
8: I started praying that God would provide a job that I'm built for
7: thanks so much for joining Grant Stela is a luxury toilet guru he's the founder of Stela services which is a luxury shower and restroom rental business
8: I started this seven years ago when I was a senior at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln And I was taking a bunch of entrepreneurship classes. And after I took a fall semester, I went to a winter break with these four little ideas. And off of that, developed the idea for a restroom trailer. Uh, There hadn't been any other restroom trailer companies in Nebraska before. Maybe there there was one company that had one or two. Mm -hmm. But no real presence of a company. After thinking about the idea, the restroom trailer something that was shaped like a camper that, that size and with a uh, normal restroom amenities, yeah. you know, with heat, air conditioning, Bluetooth sound system. I was excited to bring that to the Midwest and mm-hmm. to provide a level of convenience at these outdoor events, weddings, big mm-hmm. festivals, and even commercial events along with, just a level of practicality. So then after coming back after the winter break, I joined Ingler. I didn't know what Ingler was before, but I I joined Ingler when I came back. So for that last year of school I started the business and went through all the Ingler classes right. and started with one restroom trailer and
7: And now he's up to about thirty shower and restroom trailers. For anyone looking to start a business, Grant recommends evaluating the barriers to entry.
8: A good way to look at that is what are reasons that other people can't do what you're doing. And so there were three other reasons that a restroom trailer would have been better than other companies that I would try to start. Uh, one of them is just the gross factor. Just my ability to be okay with scrubbing toilets. So that, that was a clear advantage that right. the older people with, with cash in their pockets, they're not willing to do also it's expensive so it's expensive to buy a restroom trailer they start at 30,000 and go up to 150,000 and then the third thing is that there's a lot of volatility in my market and I knew that going in there's there's a six month season event season but there's six months of off so with the volatility that'll make it so most people don't want to have a business like that because of the every day is different and you have to be able to last through the winter and my Mm. my lifestyle is is low cost so it it was an advantage I had those three advantages so once I found out about restroom trailers and started to research it it became more and more exciting to me
7: grant says that 95 percent of the time people only need the basic plastic porta-potties but he built his business to tailor to the 5 percent of high-end events
8: the Omaha Zoo fundraiser Cattleman's Ball we're at the PGA Tour College World Series Husker tailgates that are on tailgate lots where businesses want to say thank you to their vendors. We're also, the biggest part of our market are commercial projects.
7: Even though Grant has built a business that supports multiple employees, he continues to build on his entrepreneurial skills. Learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. Until next time, I'm Alex Wichowski on the Rural Radio Network.
9: Time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen stepped in and... Well, Jason, some people may be getting excited here because uh, we, we may have a definitive answer in the next 24 hours or so about Big Ten football.
2: Yeah, there's still hope. Now, it would take a revote of the presidents and chancellors of the league to turn this around. And Sean Callahan of HuskerOnline.com, I talked to him this morning, and he says, there are reasons of hope mm, crushed fingers.
4: This is what has me really optimistic. Nebraska called their players back to practice today and tomorrow. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna have hour and 45 minute practices on thursday and friday and you're allowed to do that right now it's called the 12 hour rule so you can
10: have the kids together for up to 12 hours a
9: week
4: what i mean what, what those are pretty good practices to have back-to-back days it tells you that you know what they they, they feel good about this right now where it's at and they want to be ready because if a vote does happen they could be back in fall camp by friday or by saturday or maybe monday I mean, it could happen just like that but camps be open
2: here's the thing they're facing they got to flip six schools Mm. There were just three schools in favor before, Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State. They need six more schools to vote to play if there's an actual revote,
9: On top of the three that already voted yes. in favor. Oof. And we've heard some schools have no favor of uh, wanting to go with football this year.
2: And I don't know how that works. If, if they weren't going to allow Nebraska and Iowa and Ohio State to go out to do their own thing, Well, if you have a vote and it passes, you want to play. Well, then how do you allow some schools not to play? What's the difference? You're either a member of the league or you're not. Right, and that was the reason why they told, (laughs) hey, you cannot
9: go out and play. Nebraska, Iowa, whoever else. What will be interesting, we were talking about this off the air. If they do have a season now, obviously you're going to have to give give them time to prep and get ready to go. Looking at mid-October, how many games do they need in order to potentially qualify for a playoff, bowl game? I mean... When does the season technically end for them? I know those are questions we don't have answers to, but
2: also I still don't know if this happens. There's there's a tweet out there by the doctor at Penn State dropping some saw that. Yes, saying what they've tested thirty to thirty five percent of the kids that have had COVID. Then they're afraid they're going to pick up that heart disease.
9: Yeah, they've thirty to thirty five percent have had it. Yeah. that have uh, had have this heart disease with it. So that's something they'll have to keep in mind, I, I suppose.
2: But this. This might be the last chance. But if you're going to play, what's the difference between playing in October or November, other than the election? Well, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, let's let's just call it for what it is. Sure, sure. Uh, stay tuned. If we know anything, we'll let you know. Overtons off to a 4-0 start this season in volleyball. After making the state tournament a year ago, head coach Haley Ryan talks about some of the things that they're focused on in the month of September.
1: We know it's going to be an adjustment going from D1 to C2, so um, we've talked about that. Um, We've talked about how we're going to have to prepare for that and what it's going to look like. But, yeah, there's there's definitely several goals that we have out there um, ready to work towards and, you know, hopefully... We'll have a season, and you know, the girls will get the opportunity to make those goals into a reality.
2: Overton is in action tonight at the Loomis Triangular. They'll face off against the Wolves and then a big match against Pleasanton, who knocked over Overton twice a year ago. My complete interview with Coach Ryan can be found at krvn.com. And Tyler, as you know, I'm not a big fan of the NBA anymore, <laughs> but I flipped through last night. I could not believe what I saw at the end of the Houston Oklahoma City game. James Harden made a defensive play. Mm -hmm. He blocked his shot at the end, knocked it out of bounds, and the Rockets won 104-102.
9: Now, I will tell you, I'll fill in the gap for the rest (laughs) of the game because you didn't watch it. He was trash, non-existent. Uh, honestly. He looked like somebody that did not want the ball in his hands at crucial times. He didn't have the ball in his hands, obviously, at that time. He just made a great athletic play to block at the shot at the very end. But to be honest with you, he
2: played a horrible... On both ends before. I mean, but, normally he can't guard his own shadow. Correct. But in crunch time, he on defense,
9: <laughs> for once. And it, if you saw the end of it, he got so fired up, and Twitter was just giving him heck because <laughs> for one time you made a great play, now you're going to be this fired up. So well, they win Game Seven and they move on. All right. Well, well I guess. Glad you're here to fill in the blanks. I know on it. In the NBA, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing it again tomorrow.
2: All right. Thanks, Tyler.
9: Thank you. at KRVN, time for midday news, and Ellen Simmons has now stepped in, and Ellen, another busy day and news, and well, it's, uh, every month seems to have kind of their own thing. It's uh, a month of of whatever, but this one, I think, is very timely.
11: It is. So the month of September is National Preparedness Month, and Nebraska Emergency Management Agency urges Nebraskans. To be prepared for potential disasters at all times. NEMA Public Information Officer Jody Falls says pets and livestock need to be included when planning.
12: The most important thing with
10: your pets is to have that supply kit. They have medications, have that available in your emergency supply kit, maybe having an extra leash in your kit, maybe have their licensing information or their vet information. As far as livestock, Of course, during floods especially, that's something that we can kind of prepare for in advance, making sure that you get your livestock to safe areas out of the flash flood
11: areas. To find more information on how to prepare pets and livestock for disasters, go to ReadyNebraska.com. The theme for 2020 is Disasters Don't Wait, Make Your Plan Today, and NEMA Assistant Director Brian Tuma says make your plan today and be prepared to take care of yourself for at least 72 hours after a disaster. The former chief of finance for the Nebraska State Fair has been charged with theft following investigation into the fair's finances. Court records show Patrick Kopke has been charged in Hull County with three counts of theft of more than $5,000. Earlier this year, the Nebraska State Fair Board hired a forensic investigation firm to look into the fair's finances after staff discovered suspicious activity during an internal review. Eight fair employees lost their jobs in December as officials took steps to firm up finances after a 2019 loss. Kopke is scheduled to be arraigned on September 9th. No no attorney was enlisted for Kopke in online records on Wednesday. Omaha residents will have to continue wearing masks in public at least into October because of the coronavirus pandemic. Omaha's City Council voted Tuesday to extend its mask requirement that was set to expire la- later this month through October 20th. Everyone in the state's largest city is required to wear face coverings in most indoor public spaces. Douglas County Health Director Addie Poor said wearing masks is, in- masks is important now that most Businesses and restaurants in the city have reopened. Nebraska reported 287 new virus cases Tuesday to give the state 34,674 since the pandemic began. And finally, North Platte authorities say a 17-year-old North Platte girl has been missing since Monday. Kaylee Nicholson is described as 5 foot 7 inches and 108 pounds. Police described her as having blonde or strawberry blonde hair and blue eyes. Those with information are asked to contact the North Platte Police Department at 308 535 6789 or call 911. Tips can be provided online at Lincoln County Crimestoppers.com or calling 308 534 8400. That's a look at your news. You can find more at KRVN.com. Thank
9: you very much, Ellen. Again.
1: Two weeks in a row, we have seen the cash cattle market trade early. Last week, it was early Tuesday. This week, it was on Monday. What is this all set up for the cattle trade as we move towards the Labor Day holiday? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I asked that of Brad Coima. He's with Koima Koima and Varlick during our weekly program called Cattle Call. That is a little odd. You know, we're used to an end-of-the-week
10: trade, often Friday. A lot of guys been asking me, too, why. I don't know if I've got a great explanation. Part of it, though, I believe, is basis-related, uh, particularly for our uh, friends in the South, which is where the trade started uh, this week. And it actually didn't start off terrible, 104 in Texas. You know, I think that you and I have visited a couple of times about the relationship of the October cattle here as it compared to where August was and where October cattle was, say, where the cash market was at the end of July, um, where October was a significant premium to the cash market. So what I'm saying is that there was a fair amount of incentive to carry cattle into that into a later time frame because the market was telling you that it was looks like it's going to get better okay So the hedgers in particular, and those would be more uh, oriented in the south, uh, I think a lot of them rolled their hedges from August to October, put some more weight on them, carried the cattle in there. Now you've got a basis that's good enough. you know October's around 104 uh that they probably took that opportunity to trade cash cattle lower, unfortunately. Um but probably mostly influenced by where they could liquidate their hedges.
1: So as we look at this cash cattle market and what we're seeing and then it kinda swoops over into the box beef, can we continue to see some lower box beef numbers before there's some nervousness going on from the ca- the Packers?
10: Well um thank you for that question. I'll try to be as polite I you know I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to start the uh, card campaign to send in a sympathy card if the boxes would break ten or fifteen dollars. The backer's got huge margins. Um, has had huge margins. Um, the box beef very very normally will sell off here uh, going into the week of Labor Day. Labor Day traditionally is your last kind of hurrah feature. You know, feature some of the middle meets the state cuts. And after that, it seems like we go to a more of a okay. The kids are in school. The weather's not as nice. Yada yada. We're we'll back to more of a, a a different kind of feature other than the state feature. So, um, I expect the boxes will go down. Uh, maybe the two ten, uh, but even the two ten market would certainly support a dollar fifteen to a dollar twenty cash market. Um, so, I, a little bit of tongue in cheek when I worry about whether or not the boxes. Need to influence cash, but you know, the packer will use that kind of information if you can. Um, in terms of the supply going forward, um, I guess if the boxes would just flat out crash and burn, to your question, and I guess by that I would mean something below those lows that the COVID lows, you know, the 203 lows or whatever, if we would take that out, I would, I would be alarmed. I, I don't know why we would have to do that, uh, given that we, you know, at least have a fair bit of the COVID situation, you know, at least some of that's behind us, certainly. Um, some restaurants are open after all. Uh, we have seen the retail business uh, off the charts, you know, up 35%, 40% from what it used to be. Um, so, you know, that whole, that whole paradigm is changing a little bit, I think, in the percentage of beef that's getting used in the retail level. Now, I do worry a little bit about the end of the year's demand because that typically is, is buoyed by a big uh, holiday feature you know the let's all let's have christmas dinner and have a ribeye loin right or something like that um that part's all right but whether we'll go out and celebrate you know at a big fancy restaurant uh that may or may not happen i actually don't think the cash is going to get a lot worse than this maybe next week we're sloppy yet but uh from a supply side standpoint the market's not in a bad places and the show list this week are a little bit encouraging to me uh some areas of the South, actually, the show is are sort of lower than they were a year ago. That's the first time I could say that since the whole COVID thing started back in March. So I'm, I'm not, I'm a little bit uh, optimistic that maybe we're close to the end of this correction.
1: We've got a cattle producer that uh, caught me at the Nebraska State Fair that said, I have a question for Brad. When it comes to making uh, purchases of grain for this fall, does he make those purchases now? What should he be doing as we head towards the winter months?
10: That's a great question. Um, because, uh, obviously, you know, your, your, your whole break even is driven by uh, what your cost gain is going to be. Um, I guess my view would be I have some concern that I think that the corn crop is probably still being overestimated by the USDA. Um, whether or not they come to terms with that on the next report is unlikely. Uh, Iowa is a very important state for corn, okay? And, and between a large area of Iowa that's in a severe drought, and then the whole windstorm derecho thing uh, here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there's no question that Iowa's crop is is much, much, much less than what it uh, is expected to have been. So to answer your your caller's question, um, I would definitely do some. In fact, if it was me, if I look at my own, you know, what I'm doing because I'm a feeder too, I, I'm I'm trying to get about a third of what I expect that, that I'm going to need in the, like the next cap.
1: You can catch the entire conversation with Brad Coima on our YouTube and social media pages and it's called Cattle Call. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
3: Hi Bob Brogan with the Business Report. Stocks are tumbling in midday trading on Wall Street after setting records over the past several days. Technology stocks, which have been the biggest driver of this year's rally, are falling broadly. Investors are awaiting Friday's release of the Labor Department's August job report. Economists surveyed by FactSet forecast that the U.S. economy created 1.4 million jobs in August, but that would be down from 1.74 million jobs in July. Tens of millions of Americans remain unemployed, however as seen by this week's unemployment benefits numbers. The number of laid-off Americans applying for unemployment benefits fell to a still-elevated 881,000 last week, evidence that the viral pandemic keeps forcing many businesses to slash jobs. The latest figures suggest that nearly six months after the eruption of the coronavirus, the economy is still struggling to sustain a recovery and rebuild a job market that was devastated by the recession. Growth in the U.S. services sector, where most Americans work, slowed in August after a big rebound in July. The Institute for Supply Management says index of activity in the services sector showed a reading of 56.9 in August, down 1.2 percentage points from the July reading of 58.1. Any reading above 50 indicates growth in the services sector, and by that measure, the services sector has shown growth for three straight months after taking a big hit in the spring when the country shut down to combat the coronavirus. Tyson Foods says it's planning to open medical clinics at several of its U.S. plants to improve the health of its workers and better protect them from the coronavirus. The Springdale, Arkansas-based company, which processes about 20% of all beef, pork, and chicken in the U.S., Says its plan to open the clinics was in the works before the coronavirus struck this year, but that they will undoubtedly help the company respond to the pandemic. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. It was a banner night for KRVN and the Nebraska Rural Radio
4: Association at the recent Nebraska Broadcasters Convention. Best use of multimedia
13: journalism and the Gold Award to KRVN in Lexington for Carney flooding. Best sportscast,
4: the Silver Award to KRVN in Lexington for River Sports. In addition to sweeping the service to Agriculture category, our team won awards for sports play-by-play newscasts, service to community, and digital platforms. For service to agriculture, the silver award to KRVN of Lexington
13: for food security issues affect ranchers. Best online-only video. Our bronze award goes to KRVN of Lexington for Kick COVID concerts River Quarantinement series. And the pinnacle gold award, to KRVN in Lexington for Friday Five.
4: When the night was over, KRVN and our sister stations took home eleven awards. Best
13: sports play-by-play and the Pinnacle Gold Award KRVN of Lexington for UNK
4: Division 2 national title match the Nebraska Rural Radio Association your trusted voice for nearly 70 years
2: St. Jude exceeds any expectation or any dream I could have ever had about a hospital I was told we wouldn't get a bill I, I didn't quite process that how's this possible It's possible through all the wonderful people who donate. I don't know if they are aware of what they
10: do, but they're saving children's lives every day. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org.
13: Alaska-based Cabaret is working to provide meals to those that were affected by Hurricane Laura. Omaha Steaks has partnered with the Salvation Army to donate 60,000 pounds of steak to those in need. Joining us now is Omaha Steaks fifth-generation family owner Todd Simon. Todd, tell us about this project as well as the inspiration behind it.
12: Oh, hey, Bryce. Well, we, um, we've been seeing a lot of customers uh, around the country and Americans around the country are telling us that Uh, Enjoying meals at home with family and friends has become even more important to them uh, during this time. And so when we saw that there were hundreds of thousands of people that were not gonna be able to enjoy uh, meals at home or really meals at all because of the tragedy of the hurricanes, uh, our team leapt into action and we're making our biggest steak donation in the history of the company. 60,000 pounds of strip steak Um, That is 200,000 portions. Uh, Yesterday, my team and I helped load two full truckloads that are now on their way down to the affected areas in Texas and Louisiana. Is this a project that you all do uh, kind of every time a natural disaster, uh, such as this caliper pops up, something you've done in the past as well? Uh, we have uh, participated in disaster relief on a number of different occasions. I've been with the company 35 years and I can remember a lot of disparate, different instances throughout my career uh, where we have uh, done things for disaster relief. Most recently, uh, we helped out, actually teamed with the Salvation Army again in 2019 in the flooding in Nebraska. Uh, we just teamed up with, a, uh, with Mercy Chefs in Iowa, with the derecho storms in Iowa, and, um, and we helped out in 2017 with Hurricane Harvey. So those are just a few of the many times we've participated in disaster relief. And you hinted on
13: it a second ago, there's probably a little bit of a difference in some of the meals that the Salvation Army is used to giving out compared to a quality Omaha steak like that. Talk about the experience and what you've heard from past natural disasters about the impact this has on folks that are going through some really challenging times right now.
12: I mean, we know that the power of a hot meal um, is really amazing, and the Salvation Army tells us that the steaks we're sending, they're going to be able to grill them. They're going to be able to uh, slice them up and serve them uh, warm. They're going to be able to uh, cook them on a flat grill. They're going to be able to incorporate them in a recipe, so it's very versatile, and the biggest uh, you know, charge that we're going to get out of it is that we know that people who can't uh, put food on the table right now because of their circumstances are going to be able to enjoy a hot meal and hopefully be able to enjoy it uh, with their family that's around them at the time.
13: Todd, let's transition a little bit. As an ag media company, we've been following a, a story when the pandemic first hit about uh, beef supply chain issues. Really, all uh, animal protein sectors were, were struggling with some supply chain disruptions. Has it impacted your business model and some of the day-to-day operations? And if so, how is that being resolved?
12: Yeah, thanks for asking that question. Um, you know, we really saw at the beginning of the pandemic uh, when there was um, very, very high demand uh, combined with some plant closures that there were some disruptions in the supply chain. Fortunately, uh, we had a lot of inventory at the time and we were able to work through that inventory in an orderly way and not see disruption or much of a disruption to our customers. As you know, uh, beef and, and protein production is highly regionalized. So we have a network of suppliers really all across the region, all across the country. So now we've seen a normalization and we're able to, uh, if one uh, supplier is um, has output problems, we're able to pick up uh, product from other suppliers.
13: That was Omaha Steaks fifth generation family owner Todd Simon from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting.
4: pat on the world radio network let's check in with john payne senior marketing analyst with Daniel ag marketing in chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in crane and it's a little bit of a mixed market risk off in the outside trade and those equities and part of that spilled over into the grains but soybeans resilient they see strength in the meal and in the soybeans themselves
14: yeah you know continue to strengthen you know, it's impressive i mean china's been on a spree, um, you know, not to mention their currency's been stronger, you know, as I kind of talked that I can't remember what interviews I've mentioned on this or not. But the Chinese one hundred dollars strengthened from like seven point one five at the beginning of the coronavirus, kind of the peak of the pandemic, all the way down now to uh six point eight two, which you know doesn't sound like a big move, but if you're buying commodities on the scale they are, you know, certainly doesn't make make bad uh, bad politics to strengthen your currency when you buy buy imports. We'll see that got a hold. Um, today was kind of one of those days where we saw a reversal on the Fauci-Thomas this morning. Um, it sounds like, you know, I, I can't follow much of this, but there's, there's potential vaccines on the horizon and now it's gonna be okay, when are we gonna get up? The economy is a little bit on borrowed time to a certain degree. It has to get open and, you know, moving, you know, organically, and I think you could probably say Trump would lie in that category, or it needs a stimulus and it needs a lot of money. I mean, these corporations are gonna go under too long, So, you know, that's more, I think, the, the Democratic camp would be to, you know, at least the House, they want a $3 trillion stimulus package um, sometimes to kind of help, help the economy out. I think if the markets are kind of trading both stories to a certain degree, and, and one of them will win out. If, if well, one of them went out, they wouldn't. If it, neither one's out, then I think that we're, we're in for a hurting here. Um, you know, I just think the dollar's way too strong, or way too weak, rather. And, you know, these prices here could fall. Um Watch December gasoline. I know I've been a little long-winded here, but December gasoline today was a good trigger, and you know we just had, could not see that rally. And uh, without gasoline going up, I don't see crude oil going up, and I don't see you know much of the ag space
4: doing well either. As well, we continue to see in the uh, trade. We saw Egypt only buy one cargo of uh, Russian wheat today, though. Does that maybe sublime that maybe Russia is having some issues with their own currency, and maybe the U.S. could piggyback on that?
14: Could be I, the U.S. The U.S. is seeing good business. I don't know. I think Egypt, you know, we're in a period of time where we're a little bit between crop years, and I think it might be a little more expensive than they want to pay. So prices ration themselves, and that's you know, a good example of it. Um, but on the on the wheat side here in the U.S., it's cheaper than the euro. Uh, as I said in my newsletter this morning, the euro euro hasn't moved much wheat all year. The U.S. is off to a great pace. So we'll see if that continue.
4: John Payne with Daniel's Ag Marketing. More at Daniel'sAgMarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors.
9: Thank you very much, Clay. That will take care of midday here on this September 3rd. If you miss anything, you'll listen to our midday podcast sponsored by DaVinny Motors at KRBN.com or on iTunes.